0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So if you guys didn't know, um, I just got back from Portland. Um, my husband, Greg, Justin, Julie Cardinal, um, Jim and Heather Bickford, Don and Mary Curry, Gloria and Peter Vardnar, who are the church that we're planning in Cali-Colombo, we were all in Portland together, which was amazing. Um, we have the Ministers' Fellowship International, which is that fellowship that we're a part of, the MFI conference. So we went to that for the first two days. And then on Wednesday, no, Thursday, we were a part of Mana House, which is the other fellowship that we're a part of that focuses more on church planning. So we spent a day all together there. So it was such a good time. I I tell you what, we had such a good time with Don and Mary. Anybody love Don and Mary? Miss Don and Mary? If you don't know who they are, they were the pastors that my husband and I um, took over from in 2016. And so we had this amazing, awesome time. But my husband's plan was to preach at a church in Washington State, another pastor friend, on Sunday. So I left Thursday night to head back home. Because how many know that as a mom, you can't be gone for very long? Like, things were caving in. People were screaming the last time they called me on the Alexa. I'm like, I'm across the country. And it's just like, you just hear screaming in the background. I'm like, okay, time to go home. Um, So I flew back. I I was exhausted. I flew through the night, a red eye, lay over for four hours in Atlanta. The only sleep I got was in, you know, on the airplane. I get back to my car in Montreal, and I'm like, oh, so good. I can't wait to be home. And I turn the key, and it's like, I'm like, oh, no. I'm sure it's fine. My battery was (laughs) dead. So I said, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, and I ran around trying to talk to people who mostly only spoke French, trying to tell them, I need uh, jumper cables. And they're like, oh, yeah, you have the electric car. We can charge. I'm like, no. (laughs) And then they were like, you can rent a car. I said, I don't need to rent a car. I have a car. (laughs) I just need to get my car running. So long story short, Jason and Marsha Sweet. Is Jason in here right now or Marsha? No? Okay. Well, Jason and Marcia Sweet drove all the way to Montreal to get me. At, like, drop of a hat. Like, we're we're on our way, like, jumping in the car, grabbing their passport. They jumped Greg's car, so we actually left it there so that he'll have a car when he gets home. And then took me, hopefully, yes, we left the jumper cables just in case. (laughs) So he can ask a random stranger to, you know, jump his car. Um, you know, so we're on our way home, and I'm exhausted, and I'm delusional, and I'm so thankful for Jason and Marsha. And I'm thinking, can't get much worse. And then I get a text, and it's Greg, and he says, I have COVID. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So Greg is sick right now. He probably doesn't want everyone, most people, know. If you don't, it's okay. He's still in Portland. He did not obviously go to the church he was supposed to speak at this Sunday. He is quarantining in the hotel in Portland and he's really sick. So if you guys could just pray for him when you think of it. Because, you know, we don't need to pray right now. Pray. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's it stinks. And then there's nobody there, really, like, to help him. So um, that's where we're at. So it's funny how God, you know, life is full of highs and lows, isn't it? Full of the really awesome, amazing times with God. And then, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what just happened? Um, so, that's where we're at today. He's doing okay. Talked to him last night. He's getting lots of sleep. He's watching lots of Netflix. He's eating lots of Uber things where you call like DoorDash to the hotel rooms. <laughs> he's, he's not dying. He'll, he's surviving. So, but please keep him in your prayers because, you know, um, obviously heavy on our heart being across the world. But I'm going to finish out. I'm super excited. And I, just so you know, if anybody like talked to me already today, I've tested four times, guys. Okay? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I hugged her. I am trying to be a little bit like, not hug everyone, although it's really hard for me to do. so, um, But I feel perfectly fine. My kids are fine. Um, and it's been, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, praying that nobody else gets sick, right? <laughs> um, so, but I have the privilege of finishing off the book of Revelations. Woohoo! How many of you guys have enjoyed this Garden to City series? Anybody? Anybody left with more questions than answers? <laughs> That's okay, too, right? <laughs> because sometimes it's, it's okay to just say, I don't know. I don't get this part. And you'll hear me say that today because, honestly, we can't fully understand, especially the book of Revelation. But we're going to dive into it. So I think Greg stopped, left off last week at Revelations 20. If you have your Bibles, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles on that shelf back there. Um, you're free to grab one. You're free to take it home if you don't have one. Um, so re- I think he was on Revelation 19. He talked a lot about, who was here last week? He talked a lot about the bride, right? We're the bride, right? The church. And he talked a lot about this whole idea of there's a preparing for a wedding to come and the bridegroom coming. Um, but I want to start <clears throat> in chapter 20. So I'm just going to read a couple, um, a couple of verses and then we'll stop. So chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So first of all, I'm going to say... I don't understand this. <laughs> now, I understand that all authority has been given to, to Jesus, right? We know He's the one that can bind Satan forever. You know, the only thing that I struggle with is, is like, okay, why did He just, why just a thousand years? And I was reading some commentaries about it, and it was kind of something that Greg has reiterated as he's taught on the book of Revelation that idea of God just wants to give people more time to turn to Him. Amen? Like, that is the heart of God, is that, they w- that people would turn and repent, right? We saw that over and over and again, that the hope would be, even through all of the things, the judgments and the stuff that was happening on the earth, that people would turn and repent. And here, now he takes Satan, the deceiver, and he says, you, you can't work your magic for a thousand years. So the hope here is, okay, the enemy's not trying to deceive the world, so maybe now they'll be able to see And they'll choose to follow Jesus, right? So that's where we're at. I'm going to keep reading. Verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who were given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, some translations say martyred, because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image, and they had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ a 1,000 years. Um, I'm going to skip verse 5. It just says, this is the first resu- resurrection. Ble- blessed and holy are those who share in this first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a 1,000 years. So this is pretty crazy to think about, but literally what this is saying is that those who have suffered for Jesus, specifically those two that were martyred, but those who have suffered for Christ are going to rise from the dead and reign during this thousand-year reign with Christ. It says that they're actually seated on thrones, reigning and judging. Now, we don't really quite understand what that judging means, if they're judging angels, if they're judging what's happening on this thousand-year reign. Um, but they have this place of authority um, with Christ. And it's just a pretty crazy thought, right? Because in my mind, I just thought there was just this one resurrection and everybody rose from the dead and everybody was judged. But look, this says this is the first resurrection. So I'm going to read a little bit further and then we're going to break it down a little bit more. So the judgment of Satan, Satan, verse 7. When the thousand years were over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog and to gather and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sands of the seashore. So literally, the devil's loosed after a thousand years, and he starts gathering everybody for this great war. If you guys have ever seen the Lord of the Rings and the last battle, this is what I picture. <laughs> it's a little bit freaky. But there's good news because there, we don't even have to fight. This is the final battle. Jesus is like, we're done. So what happens, they march across the breadth of the earth and they surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves, but fire comes down from heaven and devours them and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had also been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Right? So this is the final battle. Like I always think of the Lord of the Rings. And what's crazy is I think about the fact that for a 1,000 years, Satan's bound up, whatever that really means. And there's this 1,000-year reign, but people still, the minute he's released, are immediately deceived by him to the point that he has an army more than the sands by the seashore. Isn't that crazy to think about? But the hope is that there was people during that 1,000-year reign that turned to Jesus, and now I've decided to follow him. And in the end, nobody's got to fight. Because Jesus says, this is it. We are done. He rains fire from heaven. All of the evil is, you know, enemy is destroyed. Satan is forever thrown into the lake of fire. And if we don't believe that, you know, hell is for eternity, there's proof right there, right? Because there's a lot of people that struggle with that, but it's true. Um, So I just want to talk to you guys. We're going to read in verse 11. But this whole idea of judgment, because I know Greg's talked about it some, and it's a hard thing to swallow, right? Like, nobody wants to talk about judgment. It's like, let's skip over that and talk about Jesus' love, because that goes over way better in a crowd. <laughs> but we, can't get to, we don't get to pick and choose what the Bible says, do we? And there's an important aspect, obviously, of judgment, right? If anybody's been to court for anything, you really want the judge to be fair, Right? Anybody had to go to court? Never, no one wants to raise their hand. It's okay if you have, right? Like your hope is that the judge sees the truth and that the truth wins, right? So the judge isn't isn't bad. The judge is necessary, right? And it's the same that God it being our judge. So I'm going to read in verse 11, and then we're going to just kind of t- talk about this a little bit more. Verse 11, verse 20, or chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who has seated on it, and that's Jesus, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the, what they had done as recorded in the books. Interesting. We're going to talk about this. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Does anybody else find this weird? Because I was taught, okay, we're not judged based upon our works. We're judged based upon Jesus, right? That's how we get to heaven. It's what Jesus did for us. It's not we can't earn it. Anybody else taught that? Hopefully, please. So is anybody confused by this? Because it keeps saying they were judged according for what they had done. So if you you look quickly at this, this is why there's such confusion when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the judgment seat of God, is because what people don't realize, and I've mentioned this before briefly, but I really want to talk about this and break this down today. There are two judgments. This is very confusing to people. And this is why there's some people that believe I've got to earn my way to heaven. I've got to be really, really good, really, really good. Because they read stuff like this, and they think, yeah, that's what it's saying. But then there's also people that say it's grace, 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 because they read all this stuff about Jesus. Jesus paying the price for us, the blood of Christ covering us. We're wearing robes of righteousness, and they're like, we're confused. So I want, if you taking notes, write this down. There are two judgments. So the first judgment is this. The great white throne judgment, which is what we just read. Then I saw a great white throne, and on Him who was seated. So this is what you think of when you think about the parable in Matthew. Okay. Whereas there's the sheep and the goats. Does anybody remember that? I'll give you a brief little synopsis, so in case you don't know this story. So Jesus tells a story to his disciples in the book of Matthew about the whole idea that one day there's going to be this great judgment. And there's going to be a mass of people, multitudes as far as you can see. And Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Now, who would want to be a sheep? <laughs> who would want to be a goat? And we're like, oh, I don't think so. Um, right? So, but he's the, he's the judge. Nobody else is judging you. It's him. And he doesn't just look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Right? So what this really means is Jesus is looking at the multitudes, and he's looking, he's opening up the book of life and looking to see if your name is in it. Now, how do you get your name in the book of life? That's right, Dave. You believe in Jesus for your salvation, okay? So this judgment, the great white throne judgment, is the judgment for salvation. If you believe that Jesus is Lord if you believe that he died for your sins your name is in the book of life now don't we know it's more than just head knowledge though just going to say because the guess what the devil or the devil and demons believe that Jesus is the son of God okay so just going to throw that out there but that is what the book of life is that is what the great throne judgment is about he looks out and he says these are my people because they know my voice. The sheep know my voice. And over here, these are the goats, because they've rejected Jesus. That is the first judgment. So Wait, there's two judgments? Yes. And it's super important. Okay, so this judgment is all about Jesus being your savior. It's not earned. There's not a single person that's going to be a sheep, because they were just a really great person. Okay, it's literally because of the blood of Jesus. It's saying, Jesus was perfect, I know I never will be, I need him desperately, and we we surrender our lives to him, okay? So, second judgment, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is called the judgment seat of Christ, all right? The judgment seat of Christ is only for people that are already Christians, okay? So, this judgment is for, not about Jesus being our savior, but it's about Jesus being our lord. Anybody know there's a difference? Right? There's a big difference between Jesus saving me from sin and whew, I go to heaven versus Jesus everything I have is yours. Right? I make you, I put you before everything. I put you before my family, I put you before my job, I put you before everything. Jesus is lord. Whatever you tell me to do, Jesus, I'm going to listen do it okay so this is what that second judgment is track with me sorry it's a little heavy but we'll get we'll do some fun stuff I've got object lessons so it's all good okay so this judgment I'm gonna turn we're gonna skip a little bit just because I want to show you a couple other passages so it's not just stuff I'm making up is a judgment of our works okay which we just mentioned before so if you want to turn real quick to Revelations, just a couple chapters over, verse 22, verse 12. So this is the end, pretty much almost the end of the Bible. This is one of the last things Jesus says, which I think is pretty cool. He says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. Reward, yes, because if you're judged for your works, there's a reward. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Man, it's weird. Okay, just keep tracking with me. Let's look at another verse, okay? Go flip back in the New Testament the other way to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Sorry, I'm slow. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive, there's that word again, what? A... Reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be, anybody reading along, will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Interesting. So they're kind of using an analogy here, right, of like purifying something, like if something was in a fire, straw, hay, stubble, all that stuff, wood, it's just going to burn up and be nothing. But the things that are eternal, the things that we invested in, that weren't of this world, but had eternal value, guess what? You can burn them in the fire all day. They're still there. And if something like that remains when we stand before the judgment seat of God, we will receive a reward, okay? I don't know what that reward looks like, but it looks like we were going to be, I don't know, on thrones with Jesus, ruling and reigning. I don't understand what that means. But pretty crazy. I'd rather, I, I, I want that, right? Whatever the reward is, I want that. Um So this, instead of the book of life, remember how I talked about there's a book of life with your name in it if you believe in Jesus? Do you know there's another book? Did you guys see that when I read in in Revelations 20? The books were open. And another book was open, which was the book of life. Wait a second. I'm confused. Why you got extra books, Jesus? Because it's a book of remembrance. You'll see it other times in the scripture. You say, oh, remembrance, like I thought God forgot what we did. Yes, if you're forgiven of your sin, he forgets your sin as far as the east is from the west. But guess what? If you do something in his name, he always remembers. And so he opens up the book to check out, okay, what did you do? How did you use what I gave you? And, and what I love about this, and I think we're going to just be so astonished, is all of the secret things. That we do for Jesus nobody knows about. They're all going to be known. And we are going to be honored for those things. And I can't wait for that day. Because I can't wait to see people that maybe they were quiet and more reserved. And you didn't hear from them. You know they loved God. But they're going to be seated in places of honor we can't understand. Because they have done things. Given things. Sacrificed in ways we don't even understand. And on that day, it's going to be seen. And I just, I can't wait for that idea of, like, just God honoring those people that have, that have suffered for him, that have given so much for him, um, you know, in a world that doesn't always like to honor that, right? He's going to honor that one day, guys. Okay, so, actually, can you guys hand me my purse, dad or mom? I've, I'm so blessed right now. I have both sets of parents up here in the front row, so I'm just feeling extra love today. So. <laughs> at least know they like me. So, um, no, everybody likes me. Well, that's not true. Okay. (laughs) So I want to talk for a minute. We're going to keep diving into the scripture, but I want to talk for a minute this idea. So we know there's two judgments. We know like what we do, what has eternal value is going to last forever. That Jesus wants to reward us for those things but I just want to give you a perspective. Francis Chan, he's a great, anybody ever heard him? He's a great communicator, a great author. He's got a couple really great books, and he did this illustration years ago. I saw a video of him, and I it, it just did something in my spirit, and so I want to share this illustration with you today, and it was the idea of eternity. Isn't it really hard to grasp forever and ever and ever? You're like, yeah, okay, whatever that means. Like, Never, ever, 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 dying? Like, okay, is that to freak anybody else out? It's just weird. Okay, thank you, Sherry. Okay, so he did this illustration, and I thought, man, it's so good. Can I have somebody, maybe somebody younger that wants to help me out for a second? Just need an extra hand. You're not young. Sit down. I love you, Amanda. Anybody brave that's younger in here? No, we don't have any teenagers? Come on. Somebody's, yes, come on up. You don't have to be young. I just think it's fun. You, are you brave? I'm not going to make you do anything weird, I promise. You're just going to hold stuff. Come on up. <laughs> I don't know if I know your name. This is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Thank you for being brave. Okay. So Daniel's gonna hold this rope for you. Can you hold this for me, buddy? Okay. So I'm just gonna hold this part. You hold the rest. Okay. This is your life. The little black tape. Okay? You can't see on here. I wish we had like a zoom-in camera, but I've can you just clarify or just uh prove that there's marks on that tape? Yeah, there definitely is. What does it say on those marks? Uh, 10, 20, 30, like numbers. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Those are the years of your life. Okay? So, you know, maybe when you're about uh, in between 10 and 20, you're really worried about what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You're stressing out. The guy's counselor trying to tell you you got to make decisions. you got to go to college. And then you might decide to have a job. And then about 40, you have your midlife crisis. And you're like, I hate this job. Anybody ever done that? No. no nobody. Okay. And so you're reevaluating everything. Maybe you go back to school. Maybe you stay home. Maybe you, you know, change your career. And, uh, you know, then you start really worrying about this part of your life. Which is, that's your, I know it's hard for you to tell what I'm pointing at, but this is your retirement time. Like, you're freaking out about that, you know? And so um, you're stressing, like, I gotta have enough money and I gotta invest this much and I better make a job and my insurance. And does this sound ridiculous that we're worried this much about this tiny piece of rope? This is what we do though, isn't it? So, buddy, if you wanna just, I think, if you hold on to this, let me see this. It's straight. Here we go. Okay. Hang on. There's got to be an easier way. Hang on. Okay. That's your life. This is eternity. It just keeps going and 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 going. And going and going. I'm not going to pull it all the way down there, but you get the point, right? And we're so worried about this. And we spend all of our energy focusing on this. When we literally have all of eternity that we should be investing in, but we're really worried about our 401k. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saving, guys, okay? But you hear me. This, this doesn't make sense, does it? And we base all of our decisions on this instead of this. And One day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and he's going to say, what did you do with this short time that I gave you to affect this? Not to affect this. Right? Gosh, I don't want to look at him and say, huh. Ah. I accepted Jesus. That's all I did. Is that okay? Can I get in still? Woo. I want to say I did this. And it goes on and 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 on. So you can sit down. I gave Daniel a hand. So I want to tell you guys we're going to read a couple more chapters, but before I do that, and I think I've shared this once before. So if this is a repeat, I'm sorry, but it's so. With what we're talking about now, it's exactly what happened. Actually, I just want to skip to chapter 21 real quick, and then I'll share the story. Chapter 21's title says, A New Heaven and a New Earth. Do you guys realize we're not going to be on the clouds? I'm sorry if you pictured yourself with the harp, floating on the clouds with the Care Bears, like it's not happening. We're going to be on the earth, but it's going to be new. Heaven's even going to be new. I don't understand what that means. Sorry, I'm kicking my purse. But we're going to be here, guys, but it's going to be restored like it was meant to be in Eden, right? That's why we call this whole, this whole series Garden to City, right? Because the truth is we're, ter- we're returning back to the garden. God wants to restore everything we lost when Adam and Eve sinned, Amen. So new heaven and new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, which Greg talked about last week, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Does it sound good? They will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. You know what? I can't wait for this day because I have two kids with severe autism. And guess what? They're going to be like, hey, mom. Hey, Mom, thank you for loving us all those years. And then let me tell you all the things I was thinking about my whole life that I couldn't get out of my mouth. Like, you know, how many people are going to be able to, to be running instead of hobbling? People that were sick for years are going to be dancing. Like, this is going to be so amazing. So I want to tell you guys a quick story because this just to me just showed me, man, it's real. What, this new heaven and new earth, this is a real thing. So my son Jeremiah, this was years ago. He was only five or six years old. And we were on our way. Have you guys ever been to the uh, water slide, um, not Great Escape, but the indoor water slide hotel next door? Great Wolf Lodge or something like that. You guys know what I'm talking about? So we were on our way to take the kids for the weekend. He's sleeping in the car for like, you know, an hour. And he wakes up and we're almost there. And he's like, are we almost there? And we said, yeah, we're almost there, buddy. And he said, Mom, I had the weirdest dream. I said, you did, buddy? And I'm picturing, like, Elmo attacking the city or, you know, I don't know. (laughs) He's five, right? He said, Mom, I had a dream we were all in heaven. And I was like, oh, that's so amazing, buddy. He goes, yeah, our whole family was there. And even Adam. Now, Adam was a kid at the time that lived with us. If you guys, anybody knew Adam, he, Chalik, but. He lived with our family and he became a Christian. And I was like, oh my God, he was with us too. That's so amazing, Jesus. Um, So, anyway, he says, So even Adam was in our family. And he goes, Except there was one person missing. I said, Really? You just said everyone was there. And he goes, Well, dad wasn't there. I thought, Oh. (laughs) Greg's driving, like, What do you mean I wasn't there? And I said, honey, well, where where was dad? He goes, well, dad was with Jesus. And I'm thinking, okay, well, we're in heaven. Why wouldn't Jesus be in heaven? I mean, he's five. So I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt. But then he says this, five. He says, yeah, dad was with Jesus on the earth. And I said, well, why would dad and Jesus be on the earth? Because they were building a new earth. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I just started crying, and he thought he had done something wrong. And I said, What do you mean they're building a new earth? And he said, I don't know. That's what they were doing. They're making plans to build a new earth. You guys, this is real. I don't think it's a coincidence that Greg's helping with the building plans because all everybody knows know is the hurlbuts are builders, right? Not just kingdom builders, but literal builders. And what we do now dictates what we'll do then. And so I want to share with you guys one more um, thought. So we're going to go to uh, Revelations 22 real quick. Verse 1. says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, and it was as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and and of the Lamb of God down the middle of the street of the city. On each side of the river there stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer there will be a curse. Amen. So he revokes the curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. They will see him face to face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no more night. There'll be no need for the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, you guys. Okay? So we're going to see him face to face. In the garden, what did they do when they sinned? They hid. We get to see him face to face again even Moses couldn't see him face to face we get to see him face to face clearly for who he is the the curse is going to be revoked everything that we lost in the garden is going to be restored in this new earth um can you guys stand i've got one more illustration for you and i want i'm going to end with it when I talked about the tree of life and the river, how many of you go, How you guys know that the river represents life, right? Because wherever a river is, there's life, right? Um, and the tree of life, which we knew was in the garden, is back, right? It's back in this paradise. And it actually says we can eat of the tree of life now because now we, we can live forever with God, right? Right? Um, the whole idea of a river, they actually, t- someone did a sermon when we were in Portland and they were talking about the idea of a river. And I think it's it's not a coincidence that you see in the Garden of Eden, there was four rivers, right, in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And now we see this one river that flows from the throne of God, right, because all of our source of life is in him, right? It comes from him, <coughs> But there's a, there's a vision that Ezekiel had about this river that we see in heaven. And Ezekiel 47, we're not going to turn there. But in the vision, he saw this river, and it was coming out of the temple of God. And It was coming out from the east and the west and the north and the south. And at first it trickled out, and then it poured out. And in the vision, he, at first he's ankle deep. You guys ever heard this before? And then the water starts to rise, and the Spirit tells him, you know, come in deeper. And so he's waist deep. And then the water starts to rise, and he says, come in deeper, and he's neck deep. And then it gets to the point where the water is so strong that he can't cross this river, and the Spirit takes him to the side. And I just want to challenge you to say, go all in to the river of God. Because when we're ankle deep, when we're waist deep, how many of you guys have ever done a whirlpool before? We still, we're still in control, Right? I can still do what I want. It might be a little harder, but I'm still going to do what I want because Jesus isn't really Lord. I'm still going to do what I want with my life. But when I let go and I'm in over my head, you ever jumped in, you know, a river and just let yourself go? There's a guy in Portland and he was sharing a story. He went whitewater rafting. And when he went whitewater rafting, he flipped out of the boat. And he had his life jacket on, but the waves were crazy, and he was fighting, you know, these big white caps, and he's trying to breathe, and he's trying to get his head up, and the guide is in the boat, and he says, Stop fighting! You're going to drown if you keep fighting. He said, Let the river take you where you need to go. All you have to do is let go. And so he let go, and he leaned back And the river, swirled him around over to this little pool, off to the side where he could get to the shore. And I'm telling you, I'm just wanted to encourage you guys today, stop fighting. Let go. Jump all the way in the, the things that God has for you. Because we have that rope. It's going to go for all of eternity. What we're worried and stressed about now isn't going to be for that long. Even if it's 20, 30 years, the things we're carrying... Eternity is forever, guys. And the decisions we make will impact it forever. So I want to pray. And I'm going to just close with this last little illustration. So I heard some guys lately were playing poker. No names. I'm not a big poker player. So I'm not very good at it. I don't like games where you have to think. Anybody else? Make me laugh. Don't make me think. It's not fun. Right? But I saw this picture when I was at, when I was at the conference. There was one service where they had us come up, and they were talking about your cry. And they said, what kind of cry? You know, God responds to a cry. He doesn't just respond to like, hey, God, I'm here again. But it has a cry that comes deep within us. And so I ended up being at the front of the altar. I'm literally snot nosing, like no tissues, wiping my, my snot on my sleeve over and over again, just like sobbing, crying, shaking, crying. And it was such an amazing moment in God. And it was this refreshing. And I just had this picture in my mind, and it was of this. It was a poker chips, and I don't like poker. But it was like this. This was how I kept playing my life. Look at those people over there. What are they doing with their cards? Mm-hmm. I'll go. Like everything was so calculated, so logical. So I got to see what's going on here. I got to see what those people are thinking about. And I got to see what those people, what do those cards have? I don't know. And I don't want to look at what I got. And, and my life just felt like this constantly weighing. Every decision and overthinking and, and wondering what those people over there were thinking about. And, and I just felt like God said, are you all in? And I just saw this picture and I said, I'm all in, Jesus And I challenge you today, Jesus, we come before you right now. If that's the cry of your heart and you say, God, I don't want to be calculated. I don't want to be logical. I want to give everything I have to you. I just ask you, don't need prayer. I just ask you, raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you. But I want you to say this, Jesus, we come before you right now, God, and we say, we're all in. We're not half in. We're not kind of in. We're not going to worry about next week. We're not going to worry about next month. We're not going to worry about our mortgage. We're not going to worry about our 401k. We're not going to worry about our kids. They're all in your hands because we're all in Jesus. So we offer our life to you, and we want to lay it down, God. There's no greater thing to do than lay down our life for our friends, God. So we lay down our life for you, and we lay down our life for people, and we say, Jesus, we don't want to just call the shots. We're all in, Father God. So God, I just thank you, God, for every person in this room. that That's their heart's cry, God, whatever they need to do, I pray you speak to them even today and tell them ways that that they need to, things they need to let go of, things they need to lay down, and ways they need to be all in for you, God. Because no man can tell them that. Only you can tell them, God. And that they would have the courage and the boldness to say, I'm all in, God. Everything. I'm giving everything to you. I don't want to call the shots anymore, Father God. I want you to be the king and the Lord of my life. Jesus, we thank you for today, God. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place and in this region, God, and that every person would surrender their life in a new way to you and be all in for what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.